welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can follow the podcast that is at HEFpod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash HEFpod, where you can find all the latest Eintracht lang- in news in the English language. And of course, you can always drop us an email that is Frankfurt at gmail.com. So, got a pair of matches to talk about. Well, uh, we got Frank Corner, we have Eintracht versus uh, Bayer Leverkusen from the weekend. Um, there is going to be a break, no uh, Bundesliga this weekend. Uh, there is going to be uh, the Pokal going on. Shame we're not in it, but you know, uh, I got enough problems with Leverkusen at this moment. So, um, to kind of talk about all things craziness is Chris in Detroit. Hey, Chris, how's uh, things on uh, the American side of uh, the Detroit River? Oh, it's hot. It's almost as hot as the seat Eddie Hooter sits in right now. Know if that's the impossible right now, because you know if the ultras were still in the stadium, just saying. Uh, I think he already. I think he would have asked to be put on gardening leave. Just saying. I'll be honest. I don't think he would still be there if there were fans in the stadium. They would have made their voices loud and clear. Fair enough. Fair enough for the hills. (laughs) <laughs> and that voice that you hear, folks, is none other than Matt Wagner, who uh, was part of one of our recent uh, fan profiles. Thanks for coming back on, Matt. Thanks for having me back, Brian. Good to be back. Right, boys. Uh, so this weekend, you know, you thought top spiel. We're in a good spot. You know, we could take on Leverkusen. Leverkusen's not exactly look the greatest. Leverkusen has a temporary man at the helm right now. And we crapped the bet. Halftime was nil-nil, but, you know, then that second half was just the kind of half that you really hope that you have alcohol on hand because it was really tough watching. And let's be real, first half for me was pretty rough as well. Let's go over the starting lineup, boys, shall we? Yeah, KT between the sticks. You had Ilsenker, Hinteregger, and Indika as the back three. On the left, you had Kostic. Uh, in the middle was So and Hasebe, because remember, Roda uh, was serving uh, his uh, yellow card accumulation suspension. And then you had Durham on the right. Uh, up top, and the attacking midfield positions was Barcock and Kamada, with Silva at the very tip. So you thought, hey, this is a interesting layout. Why is Tuta, you know, sitting on the bench? Because you would have thought that would have been the best way to go forward, you know, with the defensive three that we're expecting to have be a part of our defensive layout for the foreseeable future. Instead, you had Tuta on the bench. Hinteregger, you know, was able to play the full match. Thank God. But it... Well, this was absolute shite. <laughs> this was... A team that was lacking that real drive to go forward and attack, to take the ball away from Leverkusen. Leverkusen realized that this match was for them to take, and uh, it took them until the second half for them to pop in a goal. And, you know, we got a consolation goal in the 90th minute to make it 2-1 with Andre Silva scoring his uh, 25th goal in the Bundesliga season. But, I mean... This team really, really was not up to it at all. Uh, Matt, I'll kind of let you kind of run away with your thoughts on this. Oh, my God. I already have a headache thinking about it. I mean, <laughs> I, un- I understood the lineup. I mean, I already knew going in the game that we were going to rest some players um, or a player, as in Tuta, um, because I guess because I do kind of see the Mainz game being somewhat difficult coming up in this weekend, especially mm-hmm. of them beating Bayern over last weekend. Thanks, Noy, for that. However, um, I do understand why he kind of started Ilsanker over Tuta because Ilsanker has been on fire. On uh, my honest opinion, he's been a great um, replacement while Hinterreger has been absent. Um, so maybe we gave the young buck a little bit of um, a break, but 
Arcock was not in the game ever. And like, honestly, before you even mentioned it, I honestly even forgot he was in the lineup. <laughs> like, that's how irrelevant he was in the game for me. Um, I thought Kamada sucked. I mean, there was, I mean, I want to say two to three opportunities where Kamada should have at least scored a goal, especially the one in the early state in the first half where, Oh, the ball was right in the, in the, across the six uh, from a great pass from Andre Silva, and he hits it wide, not even on target. I mean, it it was a rough, rough game to watch, and I'm so thankful I was in Central Park in the sunshine kind of watching it because I kind of eat, balanced out my emotions, and so did the beers flowing through. <laughs> but, like, oh, my God. God, I mean, the consolation goal, honestly, I had kind of hope as soon as Andre Silva scored because, I mean, I don't know what's up with us this season because I feel like every single time we get scored on or, or if we score a goal within the first five minutes, we can, we can score a goal. Like, whatever happens where there's a goal that happens uh, that we score, it happens within the first five minutes. So, like, when Andre Silva scored that header, I was like, hey, we can tie this. Like, maybe we can really knock out Bayer Leverkusen out of the freaking Champions League um, qualifications. But we didn't. And here we are sitting giving Barry Leverkusen some life. We've been, there's nine points still on the table, and there's a seven-point gap between third place. And um, I'm still drinking. I'm still drinking. <laughs> Chris, I think you were drinking a lot yourself uh, this time around. I was. Yeah. Um, so here, I'm going to sum it up here. I think the best player on the pitch for us was Eric Durham. Hmm. And if he's your if he's your best player on any given day, <laughs> you're gonna lose. Yep. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he, he's a nice guy. I, I I've come to really appreciate what he brings to this team because as he's developed, we've won a lot more. But you're not gonna win a lot when the right wing on a team where the right wing doesn't play into the winning uh uh the winning plan. If he's your best player it, it's not going to mean a lot. Uh, we were bad on the back line. We allowed too many passes in important areas. Uh, you know, we held them off until Bailey just had a hell of a goal in the 70th minute. But you can't allow them that many opportunities. And he was wide open. I understand. Wide open as he yeah. made his attacking yeah. run. That's all Kamada's fault. Wide, he didn't even open. follow through. And he, Absolutely. He's the most dangerous person out there, in my opinion, for Leverkusen. Uh, he had had a hell of a game. He made, he probably should have had two or three goals. I mean, if we're being honest, it could have been four or five nothing. Kevin Trapp saved our ass again and got us into a second half where we at least felt like maybe we had a chance. And then, you know, the Silva goal, like, great. He's, you know, still scoring. But I would give up the Silva goals to get the points. At this point, like, I, I I don't know. I mean, two weeks ago, we we're sitting seven points ahead saying, hey, you know, we're going to the Champions League and we get all excited. And, you know, we're doing our predictions last week and and Brian and I both sit here. Yeah, we got this. You know, they're not going to give us any trouble. Well, guess what? They did. They just kicked our ass. They shoved it down our throat. Um, It's not us. We're not the players. What, we just what, sit here and bitch about it. But I, we have to be stronger out the gate. I was so confused on what the decision was behind even subbing in Tuta or even Timothy Chandler for that matter on the defensive end when we're down by two goals. Like, dude, at least get the get Hustich in. Like, he's been he's been a decent every single time he's been coming into the field for the, like the 10, 15 garbage minutes he plays. Like, the kid looks like he's confident on the ball in the midfield. Like, I would have loved to have him play alongside with either so or just like send the ball out wide to Kostic so Kostic would have the opportunity to cross the ball into the box. Like, why are we putting a fucking center defensive mid or center uh, center back into the game when we're down to nothing and we're fighting for like history here for Frankfurt? Like, that, like, Hooter, Hooter really pissed me off. With and that. once again, once again, Hooter's substitutions are reactive instead of proactive. He was saying, hey, you know, we, we're kind of screwed here. Let me just throw spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks. That He really just seems so – he seems like he's refusing to make early substitutions that can really put us ahead. And, you know, it, that's, not, that's not a rule. He doesn't do that every time. But this is another situation where 
the substitutions did not seem to match the situation. It was, uh, yeah, that was pretty rough, guys. Um, I'll look at it from this standpoint. What, even if we had made that kind of tactical moves that we did, this team, like right from the word go, Leverkusen was up for this. And I think that it wasn't just the players who were on the pitch. I think the the mindset was really the deal breaker in this. Because, look, we were able to go up against a Bayern Munich who have been rocking and rolling, and we punched them right in the mouth like a kind of heavyweight old school boxing match. We punched them right in the mouth and found that they could bleed, and we took a tomb. And, you know, if you have that sort of mentality when it comes to these do or die matches, maybe not exactly do or die, but I mean, pretty freaking important considering the fact that, you know, you get the three points here. You already knew that Wolfsburg lost to Dortmund and that puts you then one, uh, excuse me, two points above Wolfsburg. You know, you've basically, guaranteed uh, qualification to minimum the Europa League at that phase. And, you know, Champions League looks real, real lock at that point, considering who is still remaining. And I'm still super optimistic because we do have Schalke <laughs> left, and those guys really are bad. And um, Freiburg, we've seen how they've been shown up. I mean, it really is we're all struggling. going to be down to Mainz. It, that match when we return um, back to the Bundesliga action is Mainz, and that's where the team has got to. I don't think that Hutter has really any input onto this team that is of any major impact anymore now that he's announced that he's leaving. I mean, we'll be kind of, it would have been it would be still really hilarious if Leipzig actually tapped him on the shoulder and said, Yeah, don't go to Gladbach, come to us. We can give you more, and you know us. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know, there, I, I brought it up during the last show. Uh, the way that the games played out with the Dortmund match ahead of ours, there was no secret. You know, I, I'm pretty sure somewhere along the way they got word that um, Dortmund had won. All of the pressure fell upon us at that point. If you want to maintain this lead, you have to go out and do it. These are professionals. They knew what was on mm-hmm. the line. They cannot succumb to that kind of pressure, and they did, which we'll get into you know, further predictions later on, but it doesn't bode well for us going forward that in a match that was as must-win as there is a must-win, we didn't even show up. Forget having a chance to win. We didn't even show up, minus Kevin Trapp. So, you know, I, I mean, we, we've done this all year long where we say, yeah, it was a bad match. We'll reset. We'll reorganize and get it together. But we've run out of those opportunities. The next one we do is going to cost us. So, and a huge I, I shout out to Kevin Trapp, honestly, though, too, because he literally has probably been the best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga. If I would, if I would not say so, because a we're he, he's playing with three in the back defense, and you know, obviously, we've been getting pummeled with shots and whatnot, but like. It definitely showcased against Dortmund and it definitely solidified against um, Leverkusen over the weekend. Um, he is literally balling out. Like he's doing double saves on the regular. Like he's literally saving our ass. Like we should have been literally down five nothing. Granted, we should have had two goals um, on our own side of things, which wouldn't have led to a five two goal. But either way, like against Dortmund too, like we should have at least, Dortmund should have scored like three, four goals in us as well. But dude, Kevin Trapp has literally been with flying colors. And I literally think he's the best German goalkeeper out there. And I would, I mean, obviously this is not going to happen, but I really think it would, Kevin Trapp would benefit the German national team in the European cup this summer. I'm not going to be biased about it. Cause we're not going to talk about the German national team at this point, but I mean, he's been on fire with Frankfurt and he has been every single time with his tenor. So it's, um, our, uh, it's just so frustrating and it just sucks to have such a team like this rip your heart out when you have so much hope literally a week ago. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, when you trap, when you waste that trap performance, you know, he, he comes in and does that almost every single week. He's made a couple rare mistakes, but he's as solid as you can get back there. 
and he gives you another out of this world performance for 70 minutes and you can't get one on the board to say, hey, we got your back. To me, that's unacceptable for a team that says we're going to be contenders for the Champions League qualification. That's a match you have to win. Um, you know, we can talk about all the points we threw away back in the fall. That's all fair game. But since January, nobody was hotter than us. And then all of a sudden, we just show up and lay an egg. That's unacceptable. Yeah, uh, you can't really put in much better than that, boys. Um, we do have uh, some front action, but I wanted to kind of let loose all the opinions on Eintracht and uh, Leverkusen. But I might as well just insert the Bundesliga conversation here because then it's um, – I think that this is really the time to talk about it. We have Mainz coming up. And to me, that is the where we bend or break. There is no bigger match that is remaining this season. Now, I will say this much that us having some time off kind of helps us out quite a bit because, I mean, Mainz was a better team against Bayern. If someone thinks that, oh, Bayern was just off. No, they were they were locked on. We're helped out in the fact that, you know, uh, Leipzig, I mean, they haven't mathematically lost the title yet, but, you know, Leipzig does play Dortmund next weekend, uh, the weekend after next. Uh, actually, both teams will be playing uh, this weekend because uh, Leipzig plays Friday against Bremen. Uh, Dortmund plays uh, Saturday versus Kiel in the two semifinals of the day of Pokal. And then Dortmund versus Leipzig. That Saturday following, whilst we play on the Sunday, it's kind of, again, we're going to look in the same situation as we had against Leverkusen, where, you know, the two teams directly around us that we have to be wary, uh, well, really it's just Dortmund that we have to be wary of, and then playing against Wolfsburg just opened up the chance for us. Wolfsburg plays Union Berlin, and not really a easy match, uh, and those guys are technically still in the running for uh for qualification to Europe, but that's all dependent on who uh, wins the Pokal. Um, I think that, you know, we're, we have set ourselves up for the same position all over again. So uh, uh, I'm just throwing this laundry out there. Um, how much it's... are we, how much do we really want Leipzig to bail our asses out just in case? I mean, they're going to have to because they've been playing both <laughs> Dortmund and Wolfsburg, you know. I mean, one of them is bound to crack, and I'm really hoping that it's Dortmund in all honesty. Um, Honestly, then, I want Wolfsburg to crack. And, and this is from a selfish standpoint of the fact that, look, Leipzig's already qualified for the Champions League, and if we can get a plastic club, another plastic club, to not qualify for at least the Champions League, you know, I'm okay if Dortmund, you know, finishes in third or fourth, so long as we're in either third or fourth, whatever one that they don't want. I just I want like Wolfsburg to be down, but I'm like, oh, well, at this point, I might as well just say, you know, screw it. Um, yeah, Wolfsburg, take that, take that shot. I'd lo- no more early because well, I just worry about what's going to happen in the off season, the Erling Holland shenanigans, and I just kind of wonder what will happen to the Bundesliga as a whole. But we have to look I'm, out for ourselves right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I do understand that. I mean, also. Again, being completely biased here, like I wouldn't mind Wolfsburg going to the Champions League because it just shows how competitive the Bundesliga is. But I do see what you what you mean with making Dortmund go in the third place. But I mean, you know, both Dortmund and Leipzig still have to play, or both Dortmund and Wolfsburg still have to play Leipzig. Um, Leverkusen still has to play Dortmund too, which is going to be the final game of the season. So it's it's. It's going to be more dramatic than keeping up with the Kardashians at this point, you know, especially with the season finale. <laughs> I think I, mean, I don't think we're going to finish in. I don't think we're going to drop the six. I think that like Leverkusen has not not only do they have to run the table, they got yeah they got Dortmund final match of the season. They have Union as well, and uh, and we do have Schalke. We have Schalke, and that will give us such a huge goal difference in our, you know, if that's a guaranteed win, put seven behind, put seven past Schalke, (laughs) goal difference-wise, Leverkusen can't catch us. (laughs) 
I'm telling you, we're so lucky that we're playing Freiburg at home because if we were playing Freiburg away, we were gonna we would be literally climbing up Mount Everest because that would be the hardest game in, in the, the last world. match at their the last Ooh. match at the Svartsvad. That's right. I, I kind of forget. I can I kind of keep on forgetting about it, and I'm and there's a tiny bit of me that is like, you know what? Won't that be hilarious on match day 33 that Freiburg in their final match before they move to the new stadium, which isn't in the Black Forest like you know they're cur- they're now decrepit old but you know quite old school loving stadium that they you know wouldn't it be hilarious if on the final match day that they beat Bayern you know right before we play them and they're like haha this is how we end our season and then we just you know catch them up you know maybe we just catch them off guard but I'm Mites is also not going to be that hard of a game. It's going to be a really hard game too because they're playing for life as well. So like yeah. we have, I mean, Schalke, they're dead in the water. They're playing for pride, which they don't own. They're still probably running around the stadium from their fans. Off. I mean, if Freiburg, uh, actually with, I mean, there's a small chance I, that they could, but you, Freiburg also has, you know, their match in hand versus uh uh, Hertha Berlin, and I mean, in theory, I guess they can qualify for here, but I think that these those guys that are in that kind of void of, you know, unless we pull a rabbit out of our hat, we're really not going to make Europe. Yeah, I think things are pretty well set right now. I don't see, I don't see the top six changing. There's just not enough time left. But certainly, anything. The bottom five is actually even more funny. I mean, and interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. super and, scary. You know. Yeah, there's just so much movement available there. Um, but again, we we blew the opportunity to I hate it. I hate coming back to it, but we blew the opportunity to mm. shut Dortmund out um, on our own. Now we have to have help from other people. And I hate being in that position. But the people that can help us out are also the ones that we're kind of chasing, too. So I don't know. Um I really hate to be looking at at FC Sugar Drink and say I want you guys to do something because I need you. But at this point, I'll go. You know, I'll switch over from coffee to Red Bull. <laughs> Get us in the Champions League. And you know what? The best way for them to you know how the best way for them to actually get that to happen is if they win uh, this Friday. If they beat Bremen, well, let's be real. That's that's happening. And you set up more than likely a uh, Leipzig versus Dortmund match for the Pokal. Those guys are going to look at it and say, hey, we got close to winning the Pokal two seasons ago. We ran into Bayern. Happens. But for Leipzig, I think they're very much in a mode of even though Nagelsmann is leaving, the club will see the Pokal as if we win this, this will announce to everyone that we're making our next step up now. Who knows where things will go exactly? Because you know uh, Nagelsmann was only recently announced as the next Bayern coach. But this end, this end of season crap really pisses me off because I'm like, you know what? I would have, we could have just gotten everything taken care of. Instead, our two of our last three matches we've lost. You know, you put on those six, you put on six points. Onto us, and we're for only two points behind freaking Leipzig, and we're sitting pretty and confirmed for the Champions League. And you know who we have to blame for that is freaking the Foles. Yeah. Or do you they, blame Dortmund first because Dortmund to took uh, Rosa and then Gladbach took Hooter, and now Bayern, and then Flick said a big gave a big old middle finger to Bayern and now uh Nagelsmann's going to Bayern. Oh, I blame Hutter. Nine <laughs> eleven times out of ten it's Hutter, dude. No way. I mean it's what really sucks about it is he's a clown. And <laughs> what's even worse about it, he's a lying clown. And it I we've gone through so many coaches and they've never really worked out and the ones that want to work out with us always want to fucking leave. And it, it turns out that every single time you leave Frankfurt, it never works well for you. Like look at Freedom Funkel. He's bouncing between elevator clubs at this point. Look at Kovac. He's I mean, he's coaching Monaco right now, which is a pretty great youth town, but like we fired him from Bayern last year which was awesome that was very bittersweet but like 
Oh, come on. That 5-1 was so, so sweet to savor. Oh, oh my God. I loved it. Oh, it was so <laughs> bittersweet. It was great. I mean, it was awesome. But it's... I, I hope with Hutter leaving and him kind of shitting the bed with Gladbach because Gladbach is not going to be good in the next couple of years. Um shows a trend that hey don't leave frankfurt don't leave this like fan club don't leave the passion in this club because like for the past two games especially you could literally hear the fans chanting from outside the stadium and like it i hope hutter leaving shows a trend that hey leaving leaving frankfurt on your own terms is not the best thing for you so whoever the next coach is whether that's going to be jesse marsh and i know we'll talk about him a little bit or maybe it'll be that the um young boys burn um coach right now because we look like we're trending towards the swiss league of coaches at this point um I hope they learn that, like, hey, if you sign a contract with Frankfurt, it's a life contract. No other, no other way of doing it. No other way. You know, you, Matt, you just brought up the the supporters outside the stadium. Um, it's very important to point out that they were not cheering for Adi Hutter. Um, <laughs> that is that is passion. No, I, I mean that. That is passion for the players, for the crust, for those that have not had one foot out the door for the last six weeks and it hurts as somebody who who would give his you know left big toe for this club to qualify for champions league that the guy that has the chance to take us there and achieve that with us has his mind somewhere else i haven't i haven't gotten over it yet i thought i did i've had the chance to rant here i've i've gone off and drunk tweeted about it a hundred times but I cannot get over that hurt that the guy that, that promised to take us there gets us to the edge. And now he's having, you know, Cold his feet. worst performance, in my opinion, as our manager. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I'm getting, I'm, look, I'm getting over it. I felt really butthurt when uh, the announcement came down, but all I could say was, all right, your job's actually not done, you schmuck. You ended up pushing forward and taking Young Boys Burn all the way to the Swiss title. So you are under obligation to do the same with Eintracht. And you know what? I am going to hold him to that. Otherwise, I swear to God, you know, once we come back, once fans are allowed back over, hey, look, I got my second vaccination, so I'm going to be good to travel. You know, once Germany decides to open things up, I'm freaking coming and I'm coming for the Eintracht Gladbach match and I'm going to hurl abuse, if not a pig's head, at him. <laughs> and if anyone gets that reference, uh, if someone wants me to uh, say where exactly that comes from, uh, look up Luis Figo when he made the move from Barcelona to Real Madrid. Says it all right there, folks. <laughs> okay. Funny how uh, they did it for him, but not for Ronaldo, but that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, we've had enough ranting and raving right now. Uh, it's time for our favorite segment breaker. It is hashtag what are we drinking? Chris in Detroit, you always seem to have some beer that you are either drinking right now or something that you have been drinking that you would like to share to everyone. What do you got? Yes. Um, I am back on the beer. Uh, the whiskey at home thing that I have been going with, it. I needed to change the pace. Whiskey at home and beer on the road had failed me a little bit the last few weeks. Um, but I'm back on on the German beer. I'm drinking Schneider Weiss. Uh, they're double Bach Weizen right now. It's dark. It's flavorful. It's delicious. And it's from Bavaria, where I live during my time in Germany, and where the best beer in Germany comes from. Not the best football, the best beer. So <laughs> Schneider Weiss, Bavarian beer, the best. All righty. Matt, what do you got for us? I'm too embarrassed to say because I didn't think we we're gonna exchange what we're talking about beer drinking, but I'm drinking some Blue Mountain Coors Light right off the bat. <laughs> I'm usually I'm usually drinking some sort of craft beer from like local brewing companies or not because I'm a huge crafty guy, big whiskey guy too, Chris. So definitely going to be in the whiskey grind with you on some of these days. But um, 
Sadly, a Coors Light is what I'm drinking right now. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the Silver Bullet. You know, sometimes it does do the job. So I, I started drinking at three because the Champions League was on, and then obviously I was working too at the same time. So I was like, you okay, know, I'm not going to really get too soft. To where we are right now, <laughs> we, we, we are in a Coors Light frame of mind, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just didn't want to be too soft towards <laughs> the end of day of work, and then I just said, why would I stop? And then my girlfriend brought in a bottle of wine. I said, I guess we're going to keep this train going. And so the silver bullets kept shooting at me. There you go. Uh, so my fellow friends down in Texas way have always uh, talked about one of their beer halls as one that uh, doesn't brew the best. Uh, Shiner, they do the Shiner Bog, the Holiday. You know, I thought I would give this sampling of the Shiner Ruby Redbird just because, look, it was in a pick six uh, window, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to sample a whole bunch of these. You know, uh, it's a little uh, different, the whole ginger and grapefruit thing, but hey, sometimes you got to change things up, especially when it's getting warmer outside. It's okay. It's not, you know, the world's best. But then again, I did just recently come back from a Costco trip, so I'm going to have a few uh, new Belgians to kind of uh, be thrown out here for hashtag what are we drinking. So that's going to wrap it up for this segment. Segment one of Hey, I'm Track Frankfurt. We'll be back in a flash. That's going to be Frauen and who's going to be taking over the Eintracht and the sporting director and manager head trainer role. Stay with. And we're here, Aeon Track Frankfurt segment two. It's time we've already talked about uh, Eintracht versus uh, Leverkusen, and uh, it's really it's time to get the Frauen a shout out. And uh, boy, did they kick ass and take names, Chris! A three nil victory over Freiburg, so that momentum can be maintained. But my question to you is, can it be maintained considering uh, that form? That four or five matches that are left on the schedule, which include uh, three of the top four teams in the Frauen Bundesliga, which is a match against Potsdam, a match against Bayern, and a match against Wolfsburg before facing Wolfsburg again in the Frauen Pokal final. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough stretch run, uh, but it starts um, with the makeup match against uh, SKSS in mm-hmm. um, midweek. Next week, I believe. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the match against Freiburg, who we've become really familiar with lately, <laughs> uh, they, I mean, women came up from the start. They kicked ass. It, it didn't really show in the first half. I had to go back and watch the replay. Whoever's watching at the home office and keeps putting these matches on YouTube, keep it up. Because it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I, I can't thank you. Enough. I mean, we begged for it early in the year. Not just here, but I've seen it on other places, Twitter, Facebook, and you responded, and we really do appreciate it. There have been more than a 1,000 people viewing at any given time during every match I've seen, so we appreciate that. But um, the women came out strong, uh, not getting a lot of shots off, but moving the ball well, and even though it was nil-nil at the half, you kind of had the idea that it was just a matter of time until they would break through. Uh Laura Firesinger got the first one in the, the 59th, I think it was. Uh, she's more accustomed to playing the ball into positions to score, but she put one away. Um, Polavic uh, put one away later. And then off the bench, Shakira Martinez had a great goal in the 86. It, I mean, it, 3-0 sounds like it, it's a runaway. It wasn't exactly a runaway, but it was a perfect, 90 minutes, uh, never lost control, never felt like you were going to lose control. I was really satisfied. I was satisfied as well. It is a little worrisome considering who is left on the schedule. It's going to be kind of a brutal end of the season in terms of uh, tough sure. matches. But hey, you know what? If this is the kind of jumpstart that the ladies needed to kind of uh, find their way, you know, 
Uh, I mean, at this point, we all know that the top three where the Champions League places are are out of reach, but shucks, they can finish in fifth or maybe even in fourth. I mean, it's a real tall ass considering who is left. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm excited for them. But they have won, they have won three in a row. They're getting back to that form of playing through balls and over the top that was so successful early in the year. And there's a Pokal final to, to get ready for. So you want to play your best, no matter where you are um, in the table through the year, you want to play your best at the end of the season. And given that the last match of the season for us will be for silverware, uh, this is a good stretch run for us. You know, it, given where the club's coming from, the the FFC moving to the on-track brand, um, the ability to transition and learn new things and, you know, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, that changes not it's not just putting on a new jersey There's behind the scenes changes that go on and the business side of things six in the table will not be a bad finish if we can hold it a couple upsets down the, the end here hold off Freiburg behind us um but really get get ready to win silverware in the final week that's all that matters don't forget we still have a game in hand as well yep uh Essen yeah we'll be we'll be good we'll be good I think look Super young team. Well, uh, a lot of stuff to, a lot of things to work out. And with the Eintracht brand now, I mean, the Eintracht name now attached to them, I think that uh, we'll be doing really good in recruitment this season because they'll look at the way that the team finished and want to be a part of the Eintracht project for the front. All right, boys. Uh, so news has reached out to everyone that Eintracht is going after the the Red Bull double. Um, so uh, Marcus Koshe, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he's the sporting director at Leipzig and has announced that he will be stepping down from his role at the end of this season. So, you know, I'd really like to get my hands on him because look where he came from uh, was Paderborn and the fact that he was able to get those guys from the nearly being relegated down to uh, the regional Liga and then make an immediate, you know, rise up the ladder. I mean, it's not anything that to fill the shoes of a Ralph Ragnick. And, you know, he's even got some time as a coach, having been a coach of the reserves Ab Paderborn after he finished his playing days and uh, then go into Leverkusen and being on the coaching staff there before taking on his sporting director role from uh, Paderborn. And now with Leipzig, this guy seems to be, to me, a shooting star. But I think uh, I think as us Americans here, I think we're all a little bit more excited at the prospects of Jesse Marsh as uh, our head trainer. Where do you guys think uh, we fall in terms of landing at one, if not both of these guys? I think it, maybe this is the American in me speaking, um, but I much prefer that you have a sporting director in place before you take on manager. I think it's important that the guy who who is bringing in players for the manager has the person he picks. So you have a systemic system for that to occur. Um, but we all know that that's not exactly how it works in Europe. Uh, you just, bring on guys for a year or two and then they move along uh to punching Gladbach or wherever. <laughs> but um <laughs> but I, I really think it depends uh whether you're talking about somebody who's developing young talent, somebody looks who looks for veteran talent and then young people to come in next to them. Um I don't have a particular favorite on the sporting director front, but you know Jesse Marsh is a name that's out there on the manager side, uh, if people at, at Sugar Drink headquarters want to not promote him, even though he's been everywhere else, uh, I'd give him a hard look. My eyes are still in France at Christophe Gatier, but it sounds like he's going to Nice uh, or Lyon. Why would um, you want to go to Lyon when you can go to Eintracht and, you know, have way more hardcore support fans around you? Unless you really are that hankering for the food in that region, which uh, I kind of can't blame you on that. <laughs> why else would you choose the Lyon? <laughs> why would you go Frankfurt? to the league? Uh, why, 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 what's, what's so special about the league? Uh, like just uh. saying the league. 
uh, sounds so freaking annoying. <laughs> but look, he is a guy. I will say this for Gautier. You know, if you can stand eight years at Saint Etienne, you know, a club that very much is of a more Bundesliga mold than, you know, traditional French league, uh, kind of like how we ran into, we recognized that Strasbourg was a little bit more German than they were French. I mean, to me, I, I've had, I, Chris, I just have a hard time believing that he would go to Lyon uh, when he was at Saint-Étienne, and the only reason why someone would go to Nice is they want to sit on the nice beaches. Well, we kind of talked about it before. I mean, the beaches in Nice are fantastic, and the opportunity to spend any time in that region is worth it, let alone live there. Uh, but we talked about it a little bit off air. There's, there's not a lot of French in the German game, and you know you can get into the geopolitical history all you want, but uh, there is kind of a discord there as far as how things transfer from the borders east and west uh, in the game of football. And you, for my money, I can't think more than a couple people managing in France that came to Germany and you know we've had luck with German talent on the field but I don't know how that would translate um, off the pitch great Matt your thoughts I I was listening to a German um, well German podcast yikes a Frank, another Frankfurt podcast on the German side of things and they were saying that Ralph Rad, Ragnick would probably be the worst case scenario for our current team just because Ralph Ragnick has such a strict um, like um, what's it called like a strict philosophy in terms of soccer like he won't let the players look at their phones in the in the locker room like this really old school style so I was like okay like definitely would not want that kind of environment because like our team is pretty like vocal on Twitter and on social media whatnot like totally understandable on that side of things another name that they dropped which I mentioned before is the current young boys burn coach Gerardo Sione um, oh yeah Solid guy. Yeah. I mean, what what I really like about the Can Swiss lead League to the third consecutive Swiss League title after Hutter. Exactly, exactly. And like Hutter uh, laid down a great like foundation for the young boys burn for Gerardo to really um, overtake that. But with the Swiss League, especially with the young boys burn, they have this like counter attacking like philosophy that is really working well with Frankfurt. And I think Gerardo Siona can kind of continue Hooters, um I don't want to say legacy because I don't want to give him the credit yet. So I'm not going to say <laughs> legacy. So whatever the, the not legacy word is, that word, <laughs> give that to Gerardo Sione because I, th- because I think he'll definitely do well. Um, another person on the list, because I know he's on the hot seat right now, is, um, oh my God, Ralph Hasenhutl. The current Southampton coach, I because I, I don't I don't think Southampton is going to stay with him for much longer. Um, he has not re-signed a contract at all. Um, hmm. He has some ties to to Frankfurt, which I can't remember the top of my head anymore, and I should have been more prepared. However, um, I would not mind having another Premier League experience or having a Premier League experience coach come into the Bundesliga, um, and then David Wagner. I mean. I know he's done really, really crap at Schalke, but mm. we cannot forget his efforts at Huddersfield Town. And I think his every yeah. every every coach has a bad experience, unless you're Pep Guardiola and only go for the billion dollar type of um, clubs. David, he didn't have a lot to work with at Schalke. Either. Exactly, in the bottom of the barrel. Exactly, like underneath the bottom of the barrel of Schalke. Like they sold everyone and didn't do anything with the money because the owners are absolute assholes and scumbags but this is not a shock up podcast this is a frankfurt podcast (laughs) i think i i think his i think him failing at shock definitely taught him to like be like it just just definitely made him learn a a different like kind of approach and coaching and stuff like that and i think he can kind of Mix that with his success with Huddersfield, Huddersfield Town, combined with that failure at Schalke, and kind of mold Frankfurt into continuing to being a you know Frankfurt International kind of team. You know, like making sure that we're a consistent Europa League, potentially Champions League kind of team. So you know, those are definitely kind of my guys in terms of like the sporting director side of things. Um, I heard reports that were uh, the AC Milan um, guys pretty interested. Uh, Frederick Massara. 
he um i'm not too sure what his actual like um professional career in terms of on the field is like but i know he was always preaching for andre silva at milan and um you know obviously never worked out at ac milan and they forced the the switch over with ribich um the fact that Andre Silva is doing so well at Frankfurt has enticed Frederick Massara to come over to Frankfurt. Um, not saying that making, you know, striking gold your one time should make you come to Frankfurt, but it's a pretty good indication that he brought us someone who is probably going to be sold for a hundred million dollars. If it wasn't a COVID time, I'm not too sure what the market's going to be like this summer, but I mean, um, that he's definitely someone who I would definitely add to my list in terms of people who I would, you know, who would be next in line and running our beautiful club. Indeed. So Brian, hmm. let, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Brian. Um, there's two ways I see this playing out. We can, you know, play duck, duck, glue, duck, duck, goose, like everyone else is right now and pick our guys right away. Or would you take the chance of qualifying for champions league in the last few weeks? hold off until after match day 34 when we can say, Hey, look, you have the opportunity to come into a champions league situation and all the financial resources that goes along with that. Would you want to see a name now? Or do you want to wait? Oh God. Uh, I don't I think, think I, I think, I think whatever <laughs> result happens, um, really I think we need a sporting that. director now and let the sporting director, uh, then make that decision. I, th- I, I think you're right with what you said earlier that you need to have the sporting director in place to then make that decision. I mean, I don't know how fast that sporting director will be able to make that decision, even if we hired one tomorrow. But I think a sporting director needs to be in place first so that they can then have a, you know, even poke around the squad itself. Like, it's one thing to see a squad, you know, a team play on TV or even a couple times in person, but actually seeing how they're they are in training and everything else and, and talk to some of those guys and find out their desires and ambitions. And then you can make, perhaps make the right call. Cause look, we made the right call and uh, bringing in Hutter uh, after Kovac and look how things uh, turned out that once we gave uh, that guy time. And I think that it, maybe we just need a little bit more time, but I think that it's high time that we announce uh, whomever is taking over from Bobich as the sporting director. Do you, do, you, do you guys think it would affect how we would play if we named the sporting director or coach at this point? I think a little bit. I think that there would at least be, maybe that would push us over the edge when it comes to minds and, Remember, we got like over a week to prepare for mine. So it's we got plenty of time for those guys to work on the field. And, you know, here's hoping that uh, things transpire uh, outside of our control that uh, go well for us as well. Uh, But, you know, it's all look, it's all down to if you don't lose any match uh, for the remainder of the season. Hey, guess what? You know, uh, we're going to make look. We win all of our matches. We'll make the Champions League. Just need to worry about ourselves. All Chris, right. do you think it would matter? Uh, I think it's important to find some stability right now. We have so many, so much angst from the fans. You can see the players are not totally engaged right now. I think naming a sporting director and saying, this is the person who's going to give us some direction because the sporting director and the manager won't entirely interact at this point in the year. It's all up to the manager to work with what he has. Exactly. So whoever comes in as sporting director to start looking at Euros, who he wants to keep, who he wants to see over the summer, see if they can increase their value, or if he's just going to sell before that point. Um, you know, there's a lot of down-the-road things that a sporting director can look at right now. And I want to see that call in the next week and then give him the opportunity to evaluate the squad see what kind of manager he wants to work with the people he decides to bring back. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. I'd like to thank both Matt and Chris for joining the podcast. Matt, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? Twitter. I'm, I, I'm at, at wag underscore eight. And then on the Instagram, I am at Wagner underscore eight. So 
<laughs> Something with an underscore eight, either Wag or Wagner. <laughs> and Chris, where can we find you on the social media landscape in addition to crying at uh, Comerica uh, Ballpark in uh, Detroit? <laughs> Sorry. Come on. Come on. Folks, if anyone has any idea why I'm saying this, it's because the Royals just rattled off four against the Detroit Tigers, and suddenly they look like a real baseball team. But then again, it is April, so... I mean, I can only get so excited because been there, done that. Uh, 2001, I'd prefer not to remember that sporting year as a whole. Yeah, well, uh, this is a soccer podcast, so I'm going to keep it between the lines instead of below the belt. Um, <laughs> I am on Twitter Twitter and Discord at CNTheD313. Notice how notice how you uh, were very gracious right there, even though I kind of laid one in there just a tiny bit. <laughs> I have that Midwest nice quality to me. Uh, not exactly the nicest, but I'll take it. <laughs> and folks, you can find... You're also not in the Midwest. Uh, yeah, well, you're in the Great <laughs> Lakes region. I know you... Uh, yeah, this... Look, we've had this Midwest discussion off-air this is going to come back <laughs> on air at some point in time because, you know, myself and Nathan have got to stand up for ourselves against this onslaught from folks further east. But anyways, uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter. That is at H-E-F pod. You can also find us uh, on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash H-E-F pod. And you can follow me at KCSGE. So from all of us here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, thanks for having a listen in to episode 172. You can find us on all your major platforms, uh, uh, the the iPodcast from Apple. You can also find us on Spotify and SoundCloud as well. So thanks for listening to our episode. And uh, until next time, choose.